so the Diego Sanchez situation um not the worst thing in the world but it's quite a sad sad tale um it's quite a sad situation um to see such an accomplished and you know well achieved established fighter such as Diego Sanchez who's well who has accomplished a lot in the sport of 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 MMA, MMA mixed martial arts always get tongue twisted especially in an organization such as that of the UFC of that standing of that caliber you know it's really sad to see he's one of the I think he's he's fought and works in the organization longer than any other um, mixed martial arts um, athlete any other fighter they know he's fought in the UFC since April 2005 for approximately 16 to 17 years you know in total he's had about 43 matches he's won 30 of those lost 13 of those you know he's fought in more uh, more fights fought in more fight of the bouts than any other uh, mixed martial arts fighter in the UFC He's fought in multiple weight classes, and you know I say credit to him for doing that because making weight, especially for, you know in a sport like, such as MMA, you know it's not easy. You know having to train, you know having to cut certain, you know cut calories, calorie count, add more calories, and or do all of that, and still train and make sure that you're you're perfecting your craft all the time, doing your jiu-jitsu, kickboxing, boxing, wrestling, grappling, all those things, striking, you know all those things as well, you know, and that does take its toll on you mentally as well. So you know credit to him for doing that. You know that's a big achievement. So he's fought in multiple multiple weight classes within the UFC: middleweight, welterweight, lightweight, featherweight, and he's a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And um, you know, a majority of his mixed martial arts career, he's fought out of the Jackson Wing uh, mixed martial mixed martial arts academy. And you know, before joining the UFC, you know, he already um, kind of made a name for himself by f- when he fought in the King of the Cage um, fighting organization that's based in Southern California. So, so the question is, you know, why was he released from the UFC? That's the the real, uh, the big, the big question on everyone's lips. I mean, though, with the information that's already out there in the news sources, and all the news uh, feeds, social media, and platforms as well, people say it's really obvious. But I mean, nobody really knows exactly what happened, apart from the the phone call that happened between his um between his coach manager, his coach slash manager um slash PR assistant. Uh, Joshua Fabio and the um, just something spent um, a particular individual that the UFC's legal official Hunter um, um, something so I've gone I've not got his name um, off the top of my head at the moment but Joshua Fabio who is he because I think many people including myself are speculating that a lot of the downfall f- um, for um, for Diego Sanchez especially from the point of UFC 239 where he fought against Donald Cerrone and I also think around that time or after that fight, he fought against uh, Mikel uh, Pereira. Things started going downhill from them. People noticed it with um, with his performance in within the cage, and also the source of advice that his his um, cornerman, who you know his cornerman, who Joshua Fabio also plays that was what is being his coach, manager, and uh, PR f- for any sort of public relations, and also his cornerman within um, within the UFC fights. Um, uh, people are saying, including myself, that something was from that point really that things starts to snowball downhill. Even though before that things were were kind of like well somewhat on a decline for um for Diego Sanchez, but Joshua Fabio's um, presence in his in Diego Sanchez's life just helped, just basically acted as a catalyst in accelerating and speeding up the process of uh, Diego Sanchez leaving the UFC. So Joshua Fabio who who is he so from what i know 
from the information I managed to research for making this podcast. He's a founder of of an institute known, known as the School of Self Awareness. It's based in Albuquerque in New Mexico in the United States. So the organization's main objective is to help people who want to be of service to a to the world or to um to a better world to help make a better world. Now this does stem from teaching people or training people to have empathy, compassion and self love. And this can be done by utilizing in their and you know, this is what well, this is what he believes because it's his organization. He started it. You know, the buck stops stops with him. It, this can be done by utilizing ancient wisdom with modern innovations. Now, on the company website, um, there is um, a few statements there where Fabio does claim that at the age of nine, his grandfather had a stroke, and it was at this point that he took on the role of being a physical therapist for his grandfather, helping him to recover from from the said stroke. Now, it also goes on to say that he claims to have experience in martial arts, but doesn't. But there's, you know, there's no evidence to actually support this claim that he's making. Now, the school, now this. It's the uh, well, well, I call it an institution, probably not, um, but uh, let me say it's a company, a business. The School of Self of Self Awareness offers classes based on breathing and movement healing, and the SOS Survival Method, which uses Fabio's background in Sistema. Um, now, if I, if I was to go into further detail into um, into Fabio's background, it's that it rather it stems from being an army ranger. And really, a lot of what he does, if you think being an army ranger, that's much more closely associated with being in the army of of any country, you know, being a soldier, basically. And that's much more geared towards surviving, you know, on, under certain conditions. But overall, you know, none of this is helpful to, or useful, or relevant even, you know, to mixed martial arts. So, just getting, getting a, little, a little bit of background on Joshua Fabio, because everybody knows who... Diego Sanchez is, but the unknown entity, the unknown quantity here, it really is Joshua Fabian. Who is he? Because in many people's eyes, he's still more or less a nobody that just came into the scene and caused all this mayhem for Diego Sanchez and for a lot of people that like and respect this guy because he's uh, done so much in the sport. But he's no, he's still a level-headed, likable guy. So <clears throat> the two guys met each other um, just. Um, as I said earlier, around the time that Diego fought um, Donald Cerrone at two, I think UFC 239. No, no, sorry, that was not big mistake. Please correct me, guys. Um, uh, so, sorry, guys, I need to correct myself. It was not Donald Cerrone. It was not Donald Cerrone at all. Um, it was Michael Chiesa at UFC 239. I just, before making this podcast, I just watched Mr. Cerrone's uh, former um, fights just, just to kind of like gauge the fight he's going to have with Alex um, Morono, w- which would have been against um, Diego Sanchez, I was just trying to gauge and guess who's going to win that fight. So that completely kind of mentally knocks me off guard and I got the two names mixed up completely. No, uh, UFC 239 uh, against Michael Chiesa. And I watched that fight and um, uh, Diego Sanchez didn't look particularly good. He really didn't defend himself that well. I mean, okay, he defended himself you know, by keeping his, his guard up, his arms up, excuse me. By keeping his um his guard up and so and and so um but um he didn't throw much strikes he didn't throw, throw much attacks um towards his opponent and um I think you know and just not just that but looking at him his physical um overall appearance he didn't look to be in shape you know um didn't overall he didn't look that great didn't look good at all in that fight 
excuse me um so so yeah it was around this time that they met um so joshua Fabi became uh, diego's um coach and at the same time um uh, around this time diego sanchez quit and left the jackson wink uh, mixed martial arts academy in the u.s he stopped training there and i think he cut off ties with his management with his coaches at the jackson wink academy and all the prp and basically all basically anyone who does work with him um that really that probably is um things such as his coaching his health uh medical insurance whatever just any sort of pr person between him and any outside activities he's doing outside his own private life basically and he placed that all of those responsibilities solely onto the shoulder of shoulders of um of joshua fabio so from here i think um I, with that said um joshua Faber took on the, the role of all of those things and um you can tell that basically um, for um diego sanchez that probably would have been a big mistake because the the biggest um uh, telltale sign that something was wrong with his coaching was was really really wrong with his coaching although before this point you, um, i think many people will agree with me that mentally Diego Sanchez's um, uh, mental state of mind was really, really fragile even before this point. But this is where things really took a, a, a nasty turn. Um, in this performance against Kiesa, as I explained to you just a moment ago, um, his performance in the in the cage that just wasn't that great. He wasn't defending himself. Um, you know, even the takedowns and the ground. You know, he, his performance just overall wasn't impressive at all, and his physique wasn't great. Didn't he? Didn't look like he was in shape. Didn't look fit at all. And um, I have to say that also the source of advice that Diego Sanchez was giving his, um, giving his, um, giving him Diego Sanchez, um, in between the in between the rounds, the source of advice that Joshua Fabio was giving Diego Sanchez uh, was was not what you what you would expect from a cornerman for um, a sport such as mixed martial arts. It's just it was weird, quote unquote. What he said was. In this fight in, at UFC 2009, whereby uh, Sanchez fought against Chiesa, he um, Fabio said to Kia, uh, to Sanchez um, in the one-minute break, "I need that Tyson. I need these strikes." And this really did prove to be useless because I've listened to other cornermen for other um, for other mixed martial arts fighters, and that what they say, what this is not the source of advice they give to the to their athletes at all, to their students. Let me say that the people who they've been coaching for this fight what that they what, that they're competing in. That's not the source of advice that I've heard. It doesn't even come close. You know, you do the um, cornerman, the coaches tell their, tell their, what's the best word to describe? The athletes, their students, and, you know, I can see that the opponent is basically, um, he's getting tired, you know, his strikes are looking sloppy, you know, his, you know, his kicks, you know, things such as that. And then they, they tell um, their athlete, they tell their student, now it's time to take an advantage of going for counter strikes, going for takedowns. You know, now there's an advantage there because your opponent is less than their guard down because they're tired and they you know they're not their sharp self that like they were at the beginning of the fight. You know, that sort of advice is not what what I, even I myself and I still consider myself to be a novice mixed martial arts fan. That is not the sort of advice even I myself would expect to come out of the mouth of a cornerman for an athlete for in at least in a sport such as mixed martial arts. That is not what I expect to hear. So that was really, really bizarre. Just the wording of you know what he said, what he said. It's like it had completely nothing to do with, <laughs> with what hit with mixed martial arts at all. Now also, there's another um, uh, 
another example of that where Diego fought Michael Pereira, at, as I mentioned earlier before in the podcast, at UFC Fight Night 167. And he won this. So I think, I think that night, Sanchez probably got lucky because uh, while, he, while he was still grounded on the canvas on the floor, his knee was still on the ground. Um, Pereira threw an illegal knee and that resulted in a disqualification and so the uh, judges awarded the win to um, Sanchez. Uh, but again, you know, the sort of advice that Joshua Fiber was giving um, Sanchez in between the rounds uh, during those one, two minute breaks, um, Joshua was giving some bizarre advice. In this case, he said, V-drill, V-drill, think of the shadow, and if it gets tight, get sticky, and take it to the ground. Get on top, and give me some ride time. I mean, what the hell does that even mean? That <laughs> that really do, it seems really, really bizarre. Really bizarre. Now, since teaming up with Joshua Fabia, um, another thing that I have to say that I noticed, um, what, that I saw in the, in the research that I did, is that... Um, Diego's uh, Diego Sanchez's social media almost ca- became like a promotional platform for Joshua Fabio's business for his school of self awareness um, um, courses and basically for his school of self awareness company. Um, you know, there's still when I say promotional platform, I mean um, basically, yeah, you know, you can use your common sense and come to the conclusion of what what I mean, or use imagination to understand what I mean. Um, basically. Um, Sanchez would be posting uh, just you know positive things about the organization on his uh, social media, on his Instagram, on his Twitter, promoting the company, you know, and um, it's things like this. And there's some other points I'm going to cover also, th- but things like this. But I'm going to cover other other things also p- support this and also involve this as well. It's almost like um, D- Sanchez. No, excuse me, not Diego. Sanchez. Fabio was using Diego Sanchez to promote his company, and thereby, of course promoting himself whereby if you're this person's um although i appreciate that if if the athlete is being coached by you you're a coach then but no you know the uh, the, the performance in the cage w- if they're performing well in the cage then the quality of your coaching is being you know the performance in the cage will speak for itself because if they're doing that well in the cage unless if this person's training themselves which is 99, 99% most of the time very unlikely no someone that's coaching this mixed martial arts athlete you know if your coaching is that good the performance will do, the, that will speak for itself in the cage that your athlete your student does well and then people will say their coaching must be really really good who is their coach and then you know then that's when your name will start to reign um but again moving on to other points you know Diego of course has I won't say of course but Diego um, is also very um, defensive of, of Joshua when people point this sort of stuff out that um, it's almost like Joshua Fabio is using Diego to promote 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 Fabio and to put Fabio in the limelight. Um, you know, with everything that's been going on, it seems that Diego can't even make sense of what's going on. He can't really separate the what's what should be happening to what actually is happening. You know that sort of thing. And it's like Fabio has taken from from the research again, quoting from the research that I've done, it does look like Fabio has taken over Sanchez's life um, in interviews and meetings. And what really what really prompted um, my interest in this whole story, this whole thing, what really brought my attention, the first thing that I saw, the first source of news or media source, the video that I came across on YouTube was uh, the broadcast meeting. 
the broadcast team were having a meeting. Uh, this was back in, it must have been back in September, October 2020. And that was for the UFC 253 event. And they've been speaking to um, Diego Sanchez. And just towards the end, um, it was, it's all being recorded just towards the end. Um, Joshua Fabio um, comes in and just starts saying something, some sort of nonsense. Um, saying that basically Diego Sanchez has been shit on, uh, basically been poo-pooed and shit on um, all over by the uh, media, by the commentators, but how the commentators have been basically been really disrespectful um, to him in the commentary during his fights, and especially the last fight that he had, and um, you know, really it's something that should basically shouldn't be happening. And a lot of the team there, uh, which involves um, people like Paul, is it Paul Felder? Well, a lot of the team that were there were basically saying in defence that, um, uh, you know, well, if there's a problem, if there's an issue, and we, you know, they themselves are also athletes that also uh, compete in the sport, either that they're still actively competing or they have retired, but they still um, stay very close to the sport. They follow what happens in the world of mixed martial arts. Um, you know, they even said themselves that they also get a lot of the, um, they get a lot of that negative feedback also. Um, you know, but... It, they said that if, and I was thinking in my mind that if um, Diego Sanchez is getting a lot of that negative feedback, if he feels that the commentary is being done very, very unfairly in such a way that it makes him look bad, then of course he can speak for himself. That that is the main thing that was quite that did um, concern me in that video. Why is somebody else doing all the basically doing all the speaking for him? I mean, that was Joshua Fabia. You know, a lot of the negative hatred, or in fact, the commentary that, he, that he's complaining about isn't being directed at Joshua Fabia. I mean, nobody even knows, no one in that room even really knew who Joshua Fabia, Fabia is or, or was. Um, they never met him. And, you know, it did strike me as quite odd that if the negative feedback is not being aimed at you, then really the person who is being aimed at, they really should be able to speak for themselves because they're the people who are going to be, receive, be on the brunt, you know, receiving the brunt of it a lot of it not you they're going to be feeling more hurt than you you're not going to be feeling anything at all because none of it's been directed at you so it's quite weird that really Diego Sanchez is there and with all the time he's spent in the sports of mixed martial arts not just within the UFC but even outside of the UFC he should have at least enough experience or at least come across these situations enough times in the past to know how to handle it at least again you know to speak up for himself he has a voice people know who he is they respect him you know, and that is likable. Sorry about that, guys. Was a brief interruption. Brief interruption. Uh, so yeah, as I was saying before, um, this guy Diego, Diego Sanchez should be able to you know speak up for himself. He's been in this company long enough. He's been in this business for long enough to know how to handle these you know these sorts of situations. Now, there was. Recently, an interview uh, that was uh, done by the Sirius Sirius FM team uh, with Anthony Smith, who's an active um, mixed martial arts fighter, and the um, the other guy called RJ Clifford, and they did a brief video of interview with um, Diego Sanchez. And one of the surprising things about that interview was that, um, well, Diego Sanchez was by himself. I say surprising. I say surprising because, um, well, many people, including myself, thought that he would be with the um, 
many people including myself thought that he would be with his what I call well, they thought he would be with Joshua Fabek, who would be the you know the guy that's telling him what to do, what you know what to do, when to do it, how to you know, basically just controlling him, you know. And in the interview, I was just listening and just watching closely to to the um, to Diego's responses to all the questions they were saying, how he was interacting, interacting and engaging with the two hosts, and he really did appear to be quite brainwashed. Uh, many people have been asking and wondering uh, asking and you know wondering why you know basically the, the whole thing of how he was cut from the UFC um just what went wrong even though they know that um there was things were kind of heading in that direction already but I mean for someone who's done so much like himself really he could have left in a far more amicable way and much more amicable terms so um, one of the things he did say in the interview was um, that it does. He did feel, you know, that the UFC is going to kill me, and um, God, it, it was just mad. It was just crazy. He really did seem like he, he's he, he really just seemed like someone who does need a lot of help. Uh, you know, it, he seemed mentally he's really unstable. And yeah, you know, back to what I said about sounding too um, technical or going off on the tangent. He did seem very brainwashed you know, in the interview, um, you know, but even then when he said that the UFC had to kill him, to kill him, my immediate thought was that going back to other fighters and just with the other things that I've seen in the media and what I've seen in the news, I was thinking that, you know, the UFC is notorious for how they treat their um, fighters badly. And then when I mentioned this to some, to some of my friends who I do talk about the sport with a lot, they said to me, well, that, isn't completely true because the UFC for the fight that he's supposed to have, that Diego Sanchez was was supposed to have with um, Domo Cerrone, Diego Sanchez was still paid for both all the uh, winning and was still paid for the fight basically. I think that was about two hundred and eleven thousand dollars. So that's still now close to a quarter of a million dollars. So <laughs> in that case, he was really well looked after. So. Um, just how he is now so erratic and just immensely still and just looks so brainwashed, you know, for many people, including myself, even though I've not really followed his career in the sport of mixed martial arts so closely from what I've been hearing, from what I've been seeing, he seemed like a really, really likable guy and someone who really um, didn't have many enemies within the sport, within the uh, mixed martial arts community. You know, and, you know, again, in that interview, you know, he, he was so defensive of um, Joshua Fabia uh, you know, but one thing I will say, one thing I, I will say um, is that this could be one of those situations whereby Diego Sanchez is um, one of those people that has been going through a lot before in the past. Um, something else, something else I'll cover here will be a lot of the things he's suffered before in the past: the alcoholism, alcohol and substance abuse, depression. Um, I think when it comes to finances, he hasn't made the best choices. There was a friend who was supposed to look after his financial, look after the financial side of things for Diego Sanchez. I think his friend somehow one hundred and seventy thousand dollars went missing from his account or something like that. His friend cheated him out of a lot of a lot of money, stole from him basically. So, I think, and of course, there was the divorce that he was going through with his wife. Um, and also, don't forget, he's also a father, so he has children. I think he has well children or, or a child, I think he has a daughter 
Well, I know he is a father. So all those things um, weighing on your shoulders, and when no one, you know, when no one's trying to, in his words, trying to um, at least help you, at least um, sit down with you and just talk, just listen to you, even whereby you are at your worst, you know, and maybe everybody turned their back on him and uh, Joshua Farber was the only person who probably stood up and stepped up to them to the plane and said, you know what, I'll help you. No matter what happens, I'm going to be here for you. I'm going to assist you in whatever it is you need to do. And maybe that's what happened. And Diego Sanchez, you know, um, uh, potentially said, you know, yeah, no, to, hell, to hell with everybody else. You know, you all turn your back on me. And this is the only person that actually cares about me in that throughout the whole, throughout the whole wide world. So, you know, I'm going to trust him with everything. And potentially that's what could have happened because I can see that everywhere on social media, on videos and in interviews, on YouTube, everywhere, he has defended Joshua Fabia to the nth term, to the nth degree. So I'm assuming that's probably what happened, that he probably sees this guy as his brother because he is the only person who has been there for him whilst everybody else, supposedly, I'm assuming, has turned their back on him. So that's probably the reason why he's defending him the way he is. So, um, but I have to also say that this does seem to be like a developing story that's changing all the time. Um, of course, there's the actual, um, the reason as to, in the eyes of the UFC, um, the actual, let me say, the actual incident or the actual thing that actually prompted the whole um, releasing of Diego Sanchez from the UFC. And that is the phone call that um, Joshua Fabio made to the UFC, I'm assuming on the behalf of Diego Sanchez. And I think, well, sort of on behalf of Diego Sanchez, but I'm sure maybe um, Diego Sanchez didn't think it was, or, mm, let me word, word my sentence properly. Um, it was probably done, but probably not in Diego Sanchez's best interest because in that phone call, Joshua Fabio actually requested all of the medical documentation for um, Diego Sanchez. And the legal official for the UFC, who I can't remember their name, and I haven't made their name, put their name down, down here in my notes. Um, what happened is that I think Diego Sanchez, or not Diego Sanchez, Joshua Fabio asking for all of the medical documentation for um, Diego Sanchez probably prompted the UFC to be suspicious and to be concerned that maybe something is wrong here because why would he want all of his medical documentation? And uh, they said, basically, the legal official said on the behalf of the UFC, look, if something's wrong, basically you're saying, you know, if something is wrong, then we will not, um, we'll have to pull this fight that he has between himself and Donald Sawyer that's coming up this coming weekend, which is today that I'm recording this podcast. Um, and, um, you know, it was it was also speculated that the reason why Diego not Diego Sanchez it was also also speculated that the reason why Joshua Fabi was actually trying to get the medical documentation from the UFC was because he was trying to bring a lawsuit he was trying to sue the UFC basically trying to bring a lawsuit against the UFC because of Diego Sanchez Diego Sanchez's uh, mental state of mind that all of you know his erratic behaviour has been caused because he's been punched in the head so many times and has been so punched drunk that, you know, all the injuries he sustained um, for from fighting for so long in MMA within the UFC is, is down to that, basically. So um, I think they feel actually, you know, it's best we just let him go. Uh, you know, but I mean, at the end of that phone call, um, it was said that the two of them could be heard laughing. So... 
it, excuse me, it's, um, well, it's just kind of strange and so quite sad that the whole thing just, I was surprised myself after seeing the video of whereby him and Diego Sanchez and Joshua Fabio confronting the broadcast team um, at UFC 253 and then suddenly you find he gets dropped like he does at this, um, he gets dropped like he does by the UFC after making this just seven, they said the phone call lasted seven minutes and just after that there were some exchanges via email and then you know they um but he but just like that he was cut from the cut from the organization you know it's just quite sad and you know it's cut it again it, it is sad and i emphasize that because he's had such a long career within the ufc he's won more fights and he's lost um of course the issue was mental health um but you know it would have been better if he had parted ways on, on far more amicable and happier terms than, than this It's a really sad situation, it really is. Um, and also another thing I want to point out is that as I'm making this podcast today, there's a video that was released um, of Joshua Fabia and Diego Sanchez training. And in this video, it was first, first of all brought to my attention by um, just I was listening to one of the... Um, news clips from one of these mixed martial arts MMA focus or one of the uh, mixed martial arts YouTube news channels and in that video there's a clip of um, just a brief clip I think the video runs for maybe 10 or 15 minutes but they never show the whole thing and it was just crazy and even disturbing that Joshua Fabio has Diego Sanchez hung upside down suspended with well, it must be a cable or something upside down and um, in that in that video, what's happening is that Joshua Fabio, whilst um, Diego Sanchez is hanging upside down, is punching is just is punching his head. Is Joshua Fabio is punching Diego Sanchez's head, um, and I think in the um, I read somewhere that the reason why this is being done is to strengthen um, the um, the opponent, strengthen the athlete's body for and just get it used to absorbing just get it used to um, absorbing shots and just the fact that you're being hit. You know, if you practice this sort of thing, your body will get used to it. And I saw that thing. And again, I, and I count myself as a novice in the sport. It just looks, looks so bizarre. It looks so weird. And that, that just did it for me. Today, when I saw that, when I saw that video, just walking out the gym myself, I saw that video on YouTube, I thought, this is complete. It's just, it is so bizarre. It's so weird. I said, what? But even Aaron Hawani, someone who doesn't uh, swear that much, even tweeted on Twitter, what the fuck is this? It was just so crazy. I've never seen anything like that before in mixed martial arts. You know, even again, as someone who still learns so much about the sport, it just looks so bizarre, so very bizarre. I mean, I even said, I posted in my stories, I thought, this is just really, 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 you know, it's like torture. The fact that the, that Diego Sanchez is hanging upside down is bad enough because you're upside down. All of that blood is rushing to your head. And on top of that, um, the, um, Joshua Fabi is punching your head. You know, it, it it doesn't make sense. Just what the hell is going on? Uh, so, you know, I really do think, and I really do hope that I don't know Joshua Fabi, but you know, his presence in Diego Sanchez's life has not helped Diego Sanchez at all. Uh, you know, in my personal opinion, it hasn't helped at all. You know, and you know, I do believe that Diego Sanchez has been brainwashed to the core. He is, you know. Although I kind of contradict myself when I say that, in the sense that, um, you know, maybe Diego Sanchez at some point felt that everybody had turned their back on him, 
nobody cared about him. That maybe he felt that, um, maybe he felt that Joshua Fab was the only person who who understood him. So that's the reason why I defend him like defending him like he is. But you know, I really do hope that you know, I I hope that Diego Sanchez wakes up one day and realizes what's going on here and gets rid of Joshua Fabio. I mean, I don't hate Joshua Fabio or anything like that, but when it comes to mixed martial arts, he doesn't know what he's doing. And I can't stand someone who actually doesn't know what they're doing in a particular field, but they will never admit to it. You know, the whole thing does look like he doesn't know what he's doing, but he's latched onto um, Diego Sanchez's um, star power and his money and his his fame power and, you know, the fact that he's a well-known person, a well-known sport, well-liked sport, and he's basically using that to his advantage, you know, you know that sort of thing. Because the more he's closely associated with Diego Sanchez, the more his business is promoted. People see that, and the more he's promoted as well. Even if it's a, even if it's in a negative way, people even have even said, and I've seen, seen this quote in many in many places now that the whole thing is like a cult, that um, Joshua Fabi is running, running a cult. So you know, again, it's, it looks like a developing story because what, what I just mentioned about. Sanchez being hung upside down whilst Fabio is punching him in the head. That just came out today. And this is Saturday the 8th of May 2021. So let's see what happens later on this evening, tomorrow morning, the Sunday morning. You know, let's just see what happens in, in, in the near future because this this does look like a developing story. People are trying to do a lot of research on the situation. People are looking into um, Sanchez's history, even though he's far more well-known than Joshua Fabio. And they're also digging up Joshua Fabio's past as well, just to find out just what the hell is going on and how someone could have such a long, many successful career in mixed martial arts, especially the UFC, and just suddenly, within an hour, within with the help of a seven-minute phone call and a few, um, a few um, emails, a few exchanges by email, have all of that flushed down the drain, you know. So, um, yeah, I, I just, I'm going to be keeping a close um, eye on it. God, I'm getting so tongue-twisted here, so tongue-tied. So, on to the UFC, two, UFC Vegas 26. So, two fights are interesting on this uh, fight card. Um, Amanda Rebus versus Angela Hill. So, Amanda Rebus, she, she last fought uh, at UFC 257. Against Marina Rodriguez, her Brazilian counterpart, uh, both well, one means that they're both coming from the same country. Uh, she showed, showed some good ground game. Um, of course, her opponent landed some really heavy shots, and her stand-up seemed pretty decent. But her opponent Angela Hill, she watching her fight when she last fought at UFC Vegas 21 against Ashley Yoda, she seemed she seemed, at least at the beginning of the fight, to be a much more patient and calculating sort of fight, waiting for the right right opportunity to strike to go into attack of the, her opponent. Her ground game seemed pretty decent. She's able to keep her own on the ground. and But when she's close enough, she when she's near enough within range, she's, that, that's when she seems to land some really clean and heavy shots. So uh, these two girls, I think, are uh, these two fighters... I think that Amanda Rebus will take the win out of the two. She seems just a lot more, fu- a lot more fiery and has more heart when it comes to uh, delivering, uh, uh, you know, a decent attack. Even though in her last fight against Marina Rodriguez she didn't win, but she seems to be that sort of fighter. Now for the co-main event, which is Dave Donald Cerrone versus Alex Marino, who replaced, um, replaced Diego Sanchez. Um, I think it's going to be a hard one. 
Um, looking at Donald Cerrone's last fight against Nico Price at UFC Vegas 11. Um, this fight, I thought Nico Price would win, but actually resulted in a no contest and a draw, majority draw. Cerrone uh, did look like he defended himself pretty well. Again, he seems to be the sort of patient and calculating type, and he seems to be able to move quite well, so for shots, and his stand-up seemed pretty decent, but in this fight, Nico Price seems to be the bad person. And his opponent, um, Alex Marino, um, he looks... Um, he seemed, it was quite hard to find one of his, one of his really um, most recent fights, uh, but his last fight against Chaos Williams, lot on his feet, seems to be able to move pretty well. Uh, but he lost this fight because um, Chaos Williams quickly moved in there and just um, used an uppercut and just finished him with counter strikes and just brought, brought Morona down to the ground. But his other fight against uh, was it Rise or Reese McKee at UFC Vegas 14, he did seem to be able to land some really heavy shots. So Morono and um, Sloney seem to be evenly matched in terms of height and reach. Uh, so I think it's going to be a close one. So I'm not going to give I'm not going to give my um, two cents. On. Well, if I had to, if I had to, um, I would side with Morono. He he is he's young. He's about what 30, 31. Um, Sloney, in terms of sports, is kind of Again, reaching the retirement stage, and he's what he just turned 38 and just about a month ago. So, um, so if, if can still, if you still got it, you still got it. So, um, but for me, I say it's going to be close. But if I had to, uh, if I was the best in person, if I had to put my money down on someone, I'd probably go for Morono because he's probably he's the younger of the two, and the younger of the two, and probably has will be able to recover more, uh, quit much more quickly than the other guy. Uh, but let's wait and see what happens. I always say let's wait and see what happens because uh, this is a sport whereby you can make a prediction and anything can happen in the octagon. Anything can happen. So, so lastly, I want to talk about the, and I hate talking about this guy, I absolutely hate saying his name, Jake Paul, that I said it. So I can understand if so many people, or some people who watched or listened to this, um, to, to this extent in my podcast, thank you. And if you've, if you have, um, that for the fact that I just mentioned that guy's name, if you just clicked off or just stopped listening, I'm sorry. But uh, it's what happened at the um, last press conference um, for um, Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather. So, well, what happens? Um, yeah, Mayweather was there, Jake Paul was there, Logan Paul was there, Jake Paul did his thing and we just does it for attention. They were scrolling up to each other, and um, Floyd Mayweather, Mayweather was saying, um, "Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's let's make this what happen. Get um, let, get contracts for this bum or whatever agreement for this bum." Referring to Jake Paul, and then Jake Paul just grabs uh, Mayweather's head, "Got your hat, got your hat," and just turn and just walks away. And then Floyd Mayweather wasn't going to have that, and um, went after him, and I think he got a managed to land a black managed to land some decent shots. I think. He hit um, Jake Paul in the eye. Jake Paul got a black eye, and I think he also hit Jake Paul in the mouth. So for, well, for me, if they if they were going to fight, that is a fight that I would love to see. It's a fight that I would love to see because I think two things would happen. Jake Paul would accept the fight, and maybe just to build up the hype to it, and, uh, and of course just to look good. Because in my eyes, this is someone who cares so much about his image. His image is all he has. Um, he'll accept the fight. 
and then probably when it gets up to fight night, fight day, he'll just pull out for the one ex for one excuse or the other. Or what's the other? What's the other reason I was about to give? I've just completely slipped my mind now. Yeah, he'll he'll accept the fight or. Do, 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 do. Yeah. God, I'm gonna see. He'll he'll accept the fight or he will turn the fight down and he will say he'll probably give an excuse that he doesn't want to fight Floyd Mayweather. Floyd Mayweather is too small because Floyd Floyd Mayweather is not the tallest person. You know, when I saw him for the first time, as in just his height, when he was standing behind within his circle of bodyguards, he didn't look tall at all. I think about five foot one or two. But I mean, in a fight height doesn't mean doesn't mean that much at all and it's basically it's how well you can fight how well you can use what you, got, what you have in your arsenal so if this fight does happen i would love to see it because like many other people like you know including myself excuse me including myself i would love to see jake paul get knocked out and embarrassed and for someone like him to get knocked out and embarrassed um i, I think you know he's a sort of person that would never live it down and he'll basically stop his involvement in combat sports completely. And that'll be the end of Jake Paul. And, um, you know, the, the people's opinion of him will change completely. So, guys, I'm going to round off here. I'm going to wrap this up here. So sorry for, for my tongue twisting and having to repeat words and stuff. So, all the time, I just have so much to say. I, I, you know, I try to organise myself to say it properly. Sometimes it doesn't come out right. And I'm really sorry about the break that I had in between there. Um, if you did enjoy the podcast, um, please um, do um, do leave a like. Don't forget to subscribe. You can also listen to my podcast on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, and on Google Podcasts. And I think gradually, slowly, but gradually, it's being shared on other platforms as well. I have seen one of my videos being embedded on a, I think, on another website. Also, but I saw my video being um, shared um, elsewhere. And that wasn't me that did it. So. Um, I know my content is being shared to other um, areas of the internet. So once again, guys, thanks.